Jackson McMurray. My name is Al. You see, as a listener, I've already turned the podcast and, off. <laughs> no, it's a lot. Like, I'm like, oh, a new podcast. Let me just open up that episode, see what's going on. Get that I wasn't close enough to the mic for that to be ASMR. I can do it ASMR no, if you want me to. <laughs> this is no nerds allowed. There's no nerds allowed. Um, and then there's the theme song right here. We fill the space with nonsense. Stop. <laughs> I was singing this song we put at the beginning. <laughs> and you know it. <laughs> That's also what that song sounds no, like. No, it's not. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so okay today we are talking about harley quinn and the whatever birds of prey blah 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 you're getting a lot of mileage out of that joke it's not what are you even talking about is that that saying the full time jackson <laughs> stop <laughs> opening bubblies on the podcast why who cares we had so much time before for you to open up that bubbly Oh, people want to know that and I'm enjoying myself. I was mid sentence. <laughs> open up your dome, sparkly water. I want to crack a brew with the boy. God, who's me? God. Okay. Birds of prey, or the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn, uh, is a weird movie. It's really fun, though. A lot of ways. Um, my so. Just in general, right? Mm-hmm. I want to talk about this movie's connection to Suicide Squad. Yeah. Because, like, it is in a lot of ways... Very similar. Very similar, and it's playing off a lot of the same filmic ideas as Suicide Squad. Yeah. Um, And it's doing so in a fairly conscientious way. But there are some things that Suicide Squad... Excuse me. It's because you opened that fucking bubbly, Jackson. <laughs> there are some things that Suicide Squad does that even if you're doing those same things, like, better and well, or I still don't like. Like, the... I mean, I don't know. I talked about this in our Trolls episode, too. But, like, Pop Song Needle Drops are a big deal for me. Yeah, you just hate those. Though. I'm just... I'm not into it. And especially in this movie, when you've got Daniel Pemberton writing, like, one of the best scores of his career... And, like, every time something exciting is about to happen, you're just like, um, let's go Pat Benatar. Yeah, let's do Pat Benatar instead of the guy who's writing incredible <laughs> music specifically for us. Let's just go ahead. Let's stick with old Patty on that one. We can get Barracuda going. <laughs> I know that's not Pat Benatar. It's heart still. They sing Hit Me With Your Best Shot, which is Pat Benatar. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> but, see, I, I, I think there are times for needle drops. I think you have to use them sparingly for them to be super cool and effective. Like right. Thor Ragnarok is an example of a great needle drop mm-hmm. where you have the name of that song. And I can never remember for some reason. Immigrant song. Immigrant song. 
And like, it, but that's really the only needle drop in the whole movie. Right. So when it goes off, you're like, oh, holy shit, it's Immigrant Song. This is really fun. <laughs> and like, I think Barracuda would have been a great song to use in that same way. Because right. Because that's such like, it's kind of like a female power ballad in a way. So to like, I don't know, use that as a needle drop would have been really fun. But it's kind of diminished by the fact that we're needle dropping every two seconds. Right. You know? And it's like, it's also, I feel like, I don't know. There's a certain intentionality to sort of the, like, eclecticness of the needle drops. Yeah. But it's, like, simultaneously, like, it's got Doja Cat and Heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, all put together. Yeah, I, a lot of the filmmaking of this movie is, like, kind of a representation of Harley Quinn's mindset in a way, which I think right. is really effective sometimes. So that could maybe be why there's so many needle drops that are seemingly random because they're trying to mimic Harley Quinn in a way. But, like, we never specify that as, like, a part of her character. Like, with Guardians of the Galaxy, we establish that Peter Quill has a thing about music and is listening to music. Right. So it's, like, a part of his character, and it makes sense why we're using all these needle drops because we show him, like, literally needle dropping himself when he does things. Right. And so I think... I, I don't I don't think that's I don't think the thing that I said is true. I don't think it makes sense for Harley Quinn to be needle dropping all the time because <laughs> right. she doesn't care about music in this yeah. specific way. No, yeah. I just I think that a lot of the time I, I think that there's a certain cynicism that comes with an overabundance of needle drops to me. Yeah. Because it feels less like, oh, this is a cool song I'm excited to use and more like you really like uh heart right you like barracuda what if we put barracuda in it would it make you like this scene more if we yeah. did that if we put a song you already know and remember, like in there would you be more excited about remember it in suicide squad they <laughs> right. just played seven nation army for like two seconds for no reason no it was like they play like the whole song <laughs> and made like, absolutely no attempt to like sync it up to anything that happens like, on screen suiting up yeah, they and just seven put. <laughs> we made the joke on the podcast when we covered it. It was like ages ago. I forgot but that like, we covered that. Yeah, movie. like literally, they just like clicked and dragged Seven Nation Army <laughs> from their iTunes library and like started it at the start of the yeah. scene, and we're just like, "There you go, we we've done it." So at least Birds of Prey did it better. Yeah, no, for sure. There's definitely, I mean, it's definitely done well. I just yeah. still, I wish that they had just, like, let the music that was being yeah. written for the movie speak for itself. Speaking of, the score for this movie by Daniel Pemberton rules. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the soundtracks I've had, like, on heavy rotation lately. Um, and he's got, like, a lot of cool, like, melodic ideas and, like, a lot of, like, really energetic musical decisions that are really distinct and really fit the movie in a really cool way, I think. But the movie doesn't care about that score at all. Yeah. Like, whenever his score actually starts playing, it, like, immediately fades away to almost nothing, and they cut in a voiceover of Harley Quinn being like, so that's when I punched him right in the head! And you're like, what? What about the music, though? I was excited about the like, music. I like it when Harley Quinn talks. I thought that was... You like, like the voiceover? I, I don't was, like the voiceover. I thought that was a really fun use of narration. I mean, it's it's definitely a choice that I like, that mm -hmm. they're like, this this movie is being told by Harley Quinn, so they make a lot of really weird choices to kind of reflect the weirdness of Harley right. Quinn, and I think they do it really effectively. I, about the voiceover, my big take, this is a take I have about the lot a lot of the movie. I like this movie more than I don't like it, but there's a lot that really bothers me about it. <laughs> the first of which, and most basic of which to me, is that the story is just so goddamn convoluted 
and it like is so like you can either have a simple story and tell it in an idiosyncratic nonlinear way yeah. and have it make sense or you can have like a really simple structure and tell a more complicated story within it, right? Yeah. If you're doing both at the same time, it's just impossible to follow. I mean, I don't know. I don't think it's that complicated of a story. Like, we're just trying to get a MacGuffin, and we tell you where the MacGuffin is, and we introduce all the characters. And yeah, but there's, like, the 90 characters who are all doing their own thing. But I feel like it doesn't... I don't know. I feel like the details kind of don't matter, because, you know, okay, she's got the diamond. Then why even have them the in there? Because it's Harley Quinn telling the story, and she doesn't know how to tell the story. Well, that, that doesn't make it good. Okay, what? fine. It's supposed to be bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying, I don't think... I think the idiosyncrasy... God, I don't want to speak English. I think the idiosyncrasies work because I don't think the story is that complicated. Right. If you think the story is that complicated, that's just your... I mean, look, it's not... Neanderthal <laughs> brain. It's not complicated. It's just overly dense. There's a lot of weird moving pieces and a lot of weird characters on the board that you have to try to keep track of. Yeah, that's Most of the time, you don't even know what they're doing until 40 minutes after they do whatever they're doing. Yeah. So you're trying to keep track of the characters and figure out why you should care about them. Mm -hmm. And we keep jumping back and forth in time. And it's hard to, like, track what everyone's motivations are at any given moment. Yeah. The, um... I don't know. I felt I thought that was kind of like I thought that paid off really well though. Like at the beginning of the movie when you're talking about the crossbow hunter and that's how we get introduced to cop lady and like how she's going through the whole thing and then only later do we realize that that's the huntress and that that's right. connected to the whole mob murder thing. I don't know. I thought that paid off really well. But I also think Huntress doesn't even need to be in this movie. But I really like her. Like I she doesn't serve any you. actual narrative purpose at yeah, all. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. She's just kind of there. But like I, I love her though. Like the, the <laughs> right. acting performance that she's giving of like this person who doesn't know how to interact with people but is also just trying right, to murder yeah. people. It's just so good. It's a really good performance. And yeah, there's a lot in this movie that just is there because they wanted it to be. Yeah. And they don't have any real reason for it to be. And it's usually good. Yeah. But it's still just like it's just one more thing, you know? Yeah. Well, but like, I feel like it, there's always that opposite scenario with like movie production where it's like, we wanted this really cool thing to be in there, but we just decided we can't put it in, so it's not in there. Right. And then, like, you could tell they're kind of upset about it. Everyone's like, oh, that would have been cool. Like, I feel like with this movie, they're like, we're just going to do it. It doesn't <laughs> right. make sense, but I like it and I want it to be in the movie. And I, I don't think, know. I, I kind of like that. I always think you should cut out everything you possibly can. You cut should out be everything. lean and mean. But, like, and a great example of that is like, when she's getting interrogated by Ewan McGregor and he, like, hits her and then she, like, has a weird daydream about being a burlesque dancer. Yeah, and you're like, weird. okay, like, obviously this is something you wanted. Like, yeah. obviously this is something you were gunning for from the beginning. But, like, you gotta have a good, like, sh uh, shape of water called. They want their <laughs> idea back. And, like, but it makes sense in shape of water. Can somebody <laughs> like, tell me why Guillermo del Toro is standing outside with a baseball bat? <laughs> Like, it doesn't, it, like, even within it, it doesn't make sense because it's, like, she's just dancing with a bunch of guys and then she's, like, dancing with Ewan McGregor. Yeah. And you're, like, but th it doesn't even, like, reflect the the status of things, yeah. you know? Like, I mean, it, no part of it Well, it does reflect fits. her going back under the wing of an incredibly powerful male mob boss again. That's kind of what they're talking about. I guess. I, I agree with you that I think it's, it's weird and it definitely doesn't fit, but it is at least reflecting something. Yeah. And I, I think it's super cool. It's a fun scene mm. to have Harley Quinn, like, marrying this thing with 
Marlon, Marlon, <laughs> Marilyn Monroe in it. Right. And I think it's a really cool thing. Like, it should have just been, like, a bonus feature or something, because it is yeah. really cool. I just don't know where it fits. Or, like, I don't know, just film that and put it over the credits. I think that would be fun. That would have been fun. It doesn't need to make sense then. It's just yeah. like, check it out. Here's Marco Robbie and you have a burger, and they're going to do a dance. Yeah. I'd be like, hell yeah, this rules. <laughs> um, God, Margot Robbie's doing such a good performance, though. Like, I really... Like, she's being able to play Harley Quinn in a different way than she was right. kind of forced to in Suicide Squad. And it's not... We talked about in Suicide Squad where we wanted her to play, be able to play Harley Quinn a different way. And she's still not playing it that way. But right. it also wouldn't make sense for her to do it that way because the scenario has changed. Or she's right. not with the Joker anymore. I do... I don't know. I do kind of think that a lot of the time they just, like, give her too many lines. And she just, like, keeps... No, it's not, like, on her performance, but just, like, the writing. Yeah. It's, like, they think... Maybe... I don't know. Maybe you did. Maybe it's just me. But, like, you think the audience is... It felt like they think the audience is going to be, like, totally eating out of Margot Robbie's hand the whole time. I mean, I was a little bit. (laughs) But, like, I just wasn't. And it's, like, she does that whole bit where she's, like, if you wanted to be me, first you'd have to go to medical school. And she just, like in a single shot, like, yeah. talks about her backstory in a fast, yeah. annoying way for, but like, I, three minutes. But I think that's just the character, though. I think Harley Quinn doesn't, never shuts the fuck up. I know, I it's annoying. It, but that's just a part of the character. <laughs> um, and, like, okay. And my other... This is not necessarily a filmmaking qualm as much as it is, like, a big idea thematicism yeah. idea. I'm, there's a lot of movies like this. I couldn't name another example off the top of my head. Great, but cool. <laughs> where, Trust me. So, like, the, the the messaging of this movie is around, like, oh, if you, if you are a woman in the world and you are unattached from, like, male protection, it's a lot harder for you. And it is a tough world and it feels like everybody's out to get you, right? Mm-hmm. And so the way that you deal with that is you, is you band together with other women Stop drinking bubbly. <laughs> you, like, you count on other women to, to help you, and you go out of your way to help other women. Women stick together and make it through this man's world, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's great. But the thing about Harley Quinn is that she actually sucks, though. Yeah, she's a bad person. Right, yeah. yeah. So it's like, I don't know. I, I guess I'm just, you know, supposed to suspend my disbelief on that part, because it's yeah. like, because on the one hand, it's like, I... I understood the message you were putting out and I agree with it and I think it's interesting but at the same time if you tattoo clown makeup on a guy's face he's gonna be mad at you (laughs) like (laughs) even if I did that he would still be mad at me you know I don't know and it's just like this weird thing where it like introduces a weird wrinkle of morality into, like, what yeah. this movie's trying to say. Is that, like, does that make sense? Yeah, no, that's totally fair. Harley Quinn has always been a weird character, and it totally, it, it, Harley Quinn is one of those characters that's completely different depending on the story that she's in and who's writing her and, like, what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, like, so there are several stories where Harley Quinn, like, is a good guy and is doing good things and, like, kind of fits in that morally gray area while still being, like, nice and a good person. Right. And then there's other times when she doesn't fit into that category at all. Right, And it's just yeah. a terrible human being. So it, like, I, you, Harley Quinn is one of those characters where you have to have, like, all versions of her in your head at once. <laughs> right, yeah. Um, the, uh, I don't think, I don't think the whole egg sandwich bit is as funny as they thought it was. yeah. I I would I, I really liked her having these nice relationships with just like random people. I liked that. 
the egg sandwich thing was not as funny as they wanted me to think <laughs> it's it Right, yeah. Her throwing trash at the cop was very funny, though. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, okay, okay. I, I don't want to be Mr. Negative Mr. On, on this one. Mr. Alpha Male. Mr. Yeah. Because, there, I mean, like I said, I like this movie more than I don't like it. Mm-hmm. But it's just the kind of movie that, like, the things that stick out to me, like, really, really stick out. Yeah. And, like, all said, it has, like, a fun script and cool ideas and good yeah. performances. And, like, it flows pretty naturally for the most part. And, like, it's super fun to watch and I like it more than anything else. But I'm just frustrated that it wasn't better you know yeah, no, I get that's that. why i that's why i'm like picking out the things i don't like about it yes, so much because it's so close right i mean that's just how you are about movies though you like yeah it's you also like, true you like to pick out the things that you don't like mm. and that doesn't mean you don't like it that just right these things bother you and i guess i guess i'm also just annoyed by the whole wink at the camera talk to the audience shtick just in general i mean yeah i like it's not like a deal breaker but it's like when you're, you have to, you have to have a likable enough character to do that, and when you do do that, it has to be funny enough to like to justify to itself. justify it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think this movie does a pretty good job. I mean, there's only like two times where she actually like looks down the barrel of the camera, right? And says something. Which is also kind of weird in and of itself. Like. Yeah, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but like they do it sparingly enough that I wasn't like, okay, I wasn't getting like Pinkie Pie vibes where it's like, oh my god, okay. <laughs> she knows she's in a movie. Oh my god, Fourth Wall Break is it 2012? <laughs> but yeah. Uh, I just, the way that this movie handles, like, its fight scenes, like, I said this to you when we watched it, but, like, it mm-hmm. feels to me like it's set up kind of like a video game in it that we're just kind of going, like, set piece to set piece, and then we do things once we're inside that set, but, like, each right. one of those set pieces is crafted, like, so perfectly for whatever they're gonna do that it's, like, so much fun. Like, she goes to break out of the jail, and the sprinklers start going off, <laughs> right, and she does yeah. that awesome fight scene within the water. And then they go to, like, the holding area where they're holding all the stolen stuff. And she's, like, right. throwing cocaine at people <laughs> yeah. and, like, picking up a baseball bat over a chainsaw and just doing, like, fun stuff yeah. like that. Like, just every area that they go to is, like, right. perfectly set up for whatever cool creative fight scene they're going to do. Totally. And I, I have mixed feelings about that fight scene in particular. Because on the one hand, I really like the idea of taking what is basically one extended fight sequence mm-hmm. and splitting it up into two parts over the course of a non-linear story, you know, to, like, do the first half of a fight sequence and then cut back to the past and then put you back in in the second half of it, I think is fun. I think it's a cool idea. But, on the other hand, the first half of the sequence makes no goddamn sense because they're... Because they haven't explained it Well, yeah, because they're purposefully withholding the information. And it's a really cool sequence. I know, when she comes in with the beanbag gun. Yeah, and she's, like, shooting guys with the beanbag gun and there's, like, blue and pink smoke everywhere. And it's a... Super well choreographed scene. Oh yeah! But I'm immediately distracted by the fact that I have no idea why she's why <laughs> she's doing it. Like what's going on? What she yeah. wants? You know? Yeah, I think it's I think it's them giving you a piece of candy before they have to sit down and tell you stuff. Mm-hmm. They're like, "This is super cool. Don't you want to know what's happening?" Yeah. Like kind of like that. But if you only eat dessert, then is it even really special anymore? <laughs> yes, <laughs> There's different kinds of dessert, right? You moron. Um. <laughs> But I, one of the, I was, I wasn't really worried about this being a Suicide Squad mistake, flavored mistake again. <laughs> right. Until the, she gets to that part where she's like, 
I'm gonna be public about the fact that I broke up with the Joker, which I think is a cool character choice in itself. Yeah. But then she drives the truck into the acid factory or whatever it is. <laughs> right, yeah. And it explodes in that colorful, like, burst of all those colors. And it looks really cool, like, the way that they did that with, like, all the different colors. It doesn't make any sense, but it's really pretty. Right, no, yeah. And I was like, oh, that's really cool. Oh, is this gonna be the whole movie, though? But then we get to that shot later where the police officer arrives on the scene and it all looks completely like a normal explosion. Right. And I was so like, like, oh, Harley Quinn <laughs> was just thinking that. And that's right. what I was like, oh, that's really fun and cool. I like that. I also like the moment when Rosie Perez picks up the necklace on the floor and is like, I know exactly what happened here. Yeah. <laughs> I found a necklace with a J on it on the floor. That means that Harley Quinn and the Joker blew up, broke up. They blew up. <laughs> they blew up. <laughs> Harley Quinn and the Joker broke up. She took this truck, drove it into that toxic waste facility. It's like, uh, okay, sure, fine, whatever. What I mean, I, look, I shouldn't complain about think, it. <laughs> I shouldn't complain about it because I already talk about it being over convoluted. Yeah. And we don't need more stuff in it for her to, like, figure yeah. it out. But still, it's just funny to me that she just picks it up. And she's like, got it. Got it. Know the whole story. <laughs> anyway. Well, and it, the one thing. This movie can be heavy-handed at times with it, what it's trying to say, and I right. think, I, I go back and forth on heavy-handedness, because, like, I always think, like, this is heavy-handed to me, but there's a possibility that to someone it's not heavy-handed, and it's right. like, that's, subtlety can sometimes just get lost, and so I kind of understand when they're heavy-handed sometimes, mm-hmm. but, like, her, like, with the police force... It was just, like, so excruciatingly I know. sexist. I was like, okay, this isn't realistic anymore. <laughs> right, yeah. And it's the whole thing with, like, her ex, who's, like, part of the DA or whatever. Yeah. That just made no sense. It's I don't too know much. why she was there. And she was always <laughs> upset, and I was never sure what she was upset about. Right. And it's, like, it's just the kind of thing that it's, there's so many moving pieces, it's tricky to figure out what exactly everybody's doing at every given time. Yeah. And, like, the perfect example is you're, like, you know, you're, like, treading water, right? You're, like, yeah. okay, okay, I got this. And then, you know, Rosie Perez is, like, oh, and I'm a tough cop and blah, blah, blah and whatever. And then she, like, gets a phone call from some character we've never seen before who's, like, the diamond is in the blah, blah, blah. And you're, like, what? What? And then it's, like, oh, hold on. Let me rewind a little bit and explain her whole deal. And you're, like, god damn it. <laughs> After you're done with that, I'm going to forget Rosie Perez's whole shit. And I'm going to have to try to catch myself up again once we get back there. Um... I also, I think there's that whole sequence where it's like, oh, here's Black Canary, she's a singer, and then she talks to Harley Quinn, and then she almost gets date raped, but then she saves her, and then because Roman saw that, he's like, hey, why don't you come be my driver? It's like, how about she was his driver? Like, that would have worked. It's it's like, you saw her beat up some people. How does that in any way mean that she's good at driving a right. car quickly to escape situations? <laughs> like, that's right. not... She's not baby driver just because she punched a guy. Right. Baby driver punches no one. Yeah. And it's just... I also think that, like, this movie does it a handful of times where it, like, wants to be a really goofy, fun, over-the-top romp, but it also wants to be excruciatingly realistic when it comes to sexual violence. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like those things... Like, I don't think you can never do that, but I feel like there's a tonal shift pretty drastically every time. Yeah. Like, I remember the that first time where it's, like, the to me, the most upsetting of those sequences is when Harley Quinn is, like, super drunk and that guy is, like, about to rape her and, like, put her in the back of a van or whatever. Yeah. And you're, like, that's fucked up. And it's, like, upsetting to watch and you're not having yeah. a good time by well, design. I, I and think- then... Black Canary shows up and is like, 
oh, what are you doing here? And then it's like Motown needle drop cue and it's like beating the shit yeah. out of this rapist. And you're like, I, yeah. oh. I mean, I'm, that scene wor- is less worrisome to me because Black Canary is there mm-hmm. and she's pretty much there the whole time. And I'm like, oh, Black Canary's not going to learn to date rape. So there's no fear there. I would argue the scene where Obi-Wan Kenobi forces that girl to strip is way more <laughs> disturbing. I don't even think it's disturbing because I'm just taken out of it by the fact, like, how completely unnecessary it is. Yeah. Like, and that's true. Like, it is more upsetting, I think, but, like, so, okay, let's talk about this, right? Yeah. The, this is the worst scene in the whole movie, yeah. I think. Can you agree with that? I like, mean, I, the two scenes that I don't like in this movie is that scene and the scene where the family gets their faces cut off, because I just think that scene's too much. Right. I don't like that scene. I kind of like, see, I don't know. I like the gag of, like, having someone cut off somebody's face and, like, not, like, show it, but, like, you know, yeah. tactfully edit around it i know that's like cool in a vacuum i just don't feel like it fits in this movie yeah i mean it's showing that that one guy's a psychopath and that's fair right and it's showing that obi-wan kenobi is like a sociopath kind of and that's right. fair like it establishes the characters well it's just icky and i don't like it <laughs> right. but anyway later in the movie uh roman Sionis is ewan mcgregor's name uh, he finds out about something that he doesn't like. I don't remember what it is. Somebody it's has that, the diamond or something. Harley has the diamond. Harley has the diamond. He's like, oh, I'm super mad. Uh, so he just, like, finds some random woman at his club and, like, is like, get up on the table. Dance. Take your clothes off. Rip her dress off with a knife. And it's, like, this really upsetting, like, scene of sexual violence perpetrated on this woman we have never seen before. We will never see again. It's a sequence that has absolutely no bearing on anything it doesn't even like illuminate anything about any of the characters involved i genuinely think it was just because you could have been having too much fun with the villain that you're like you're having too much fun with the villain let's remind you that he's a terrible person and let's do that it's like that okay it's it it's like there's problems with making like too fun of villains because if the villain's too fun you kind of lose a little bit of sympathy for the character or like a little bit little bit less sympathy for the conflict as a whole right because like the villain if the villain isn't evil then what are we even doing here so i think they were like we're having too much even mcgregor's having too much fun this is a villain we need to remind you that he's a terrible person yeah and it's just they just do it in a way that i don't like right (laughs) see i think my thing is that like We've established well enough, like, within the context of this movie, I think that him just being an asshole is plenty, right? And you can have fun with somebody being an asshole and still, like, hate them as a character in the way that you hate people in movies. Where it's, you know, it's obviously you don't actually, like, not want to see them, but it's just part of the whole experience. Um, They're a cad and you boo them. Yeah. Um, and, like, the fact that, first of all, that he, like, cuts somebody's face off is like, oh, he's messed up. That's cool. Established. He's dangerous. Cool. Yeah. And it's, like, later he's like, oh, check it out. I got a shrunken head on my wall. He was some African guy. He sucks. Now he's on my wall. That's hilarious. You're like, oh, he sucks. Yeah. Like, he's no cool. <laughs> and then he's, like, so awful to Harley Quinn. And he's, like, saying all these horrible things to, like, women, like, most of the movie. Yeah. That's plenty. I don't need to, like, actually viscerally be upset by... Yeah. something he does like i'm i'm on board with that he sucks yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. i don't know um i but also like ewan mcgregor if we end up doing weird coronavirus oscars this year he's gotta get best supporting I know. 
out of the like nine movies that came out this year so far, yeah. like Ewan McGregor is like cream of the crop, he's like top like, tier. The weirdest performance, and he does it so well. Like this, like sociopathic, like asshole rich guy. Who's right. Just, like oh, he just plays that character so well. He's like this weird hyper rich gay club owner. Yeah. Who's just like. I mean, he is, he's just, like, a sociopath, and he's always just, like, he doesn't seem to feel any emotions other than, like, casual whimsy and rage. Yeah. (laughs) There's, like, no in-between. Slurp. You have anything to say? (laughs) I'm just thinking. Uh, I really like that they made Black Mask not stupid, (laughs) because... (laughs) In the comic books, isn't he just like a gangster who like falls in a pit of acid and gets a mask? No, I don't. I don't even think that. I think he's just a gangster. He's just like a crime lord. Oh, I thought the mask was like permanently stuck on his face. Or Let something. me check. Let me take a look. Because that's stupid. Maybe I just invented that stupid thing. DC also does have like four different continuities. So maybe in one of them. That's so true. that could be. My understanding has always just been that he. He's just a gangster. He's just a gangster, and he has a mask because it's scary. Yeah. Wikipedia, give us your secrets. I was born wealthy, earliest secure Uh, so it looks like uh he just had a messed up face from like a childhood accident, so he wears a mask a lot. Oh, okay. Which is like I find. That's okay. It's an excuse for someone to wear a mask. <laughs> right, yeah. But they make it not stupid. So when he does wear the mask, it's like, oh, cool, fun. And it's not like yeah. he's not the Phantom of the Opera. The way it was described by Wikipedia, it sounds like, oh, his rich parents were, like, so ashamed of his messed up face after he got attacked by a raccoon as a kid. <laughs> so okay. they, like, made him wear a mask, and that's what turned him evil. Yeah. Because it was the 50s and everything had to be super melodramatic. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, let's see. I talk, we talked about the sets a little bit, and like I two sets that I really love. I really love that set at the end where Ian McGregor explodes, where they're just on the dock in the fog, and like the statues are there. Like that's really fun. I like that. And the end set in the abandoned carnival because it's Gotham, so there's twelve hundred <laughs> abandoned abandoned carnivals. Right. Like it's really fun, and I understand that it doesn't make sense, but like <laughs> it's so pretty and so cool, and the cure and the choreography and like the character interactions that are going on are so right. fun and cool that like I don't care. I like the movie's like I don't care how we got here, but we're here now. And I'm like <laughs> right, me yeah. Too. The uh, fight choreography in like especially that big scene in the like confiscated evidence warehouse yeah which is like so like john wick chad stahelski david leach inspired in a way that like a lot of movies are now oh, yeah, totally. but it just i first of all i think it's fascinating that it really speaks to the like just the genuine influence that john wick has had in the sense that a movie like this looks like john wick now yeah <laughs> like <laughs> Just that, like, clean, economical, like, wide-shot fight choreography where you can clearly see that the actors are doing the choreography themselves. Mm -hmm. And it's, like, really realistically choreographed, you know? Yeah. While still being exciting and physical. It's just... it, And it totally works. I think the fight choreography in this movie is great. Oh, yeah. Um, The thing that I don't like about it, though... Is that, we talked about this earlier, Mm -hmm. is that um, one of the things that makes sort of the John Wick inspired fight choreography so powerful a lot of the time, I mean, besides the fact that it's just 
good and you've got like a wider shot and you can see the whole thing really clearly yeah is also that like a main part of john wick is seeing keanu reeves like get the shit beat out of him <laughs> like he's not like that's a, what you've always wanted <laughs> right. but he's not like a cool assassin who just like takes out everybody yeah he like it is hard <laughs> and he yeah. gets the shit beat out of him and you see him like get hurt throughout the fights it's him being hurt and still fighting that makes it that much more exciting. Mm-hmm. They do it so great in like things like Daredevil. They do it so great in Mission Impossible Fallout. Like there's so many movies that are so based around like guys like really taking hits, you know. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that people never want to do when they're making those kinds of fight sequences is they never want to let women take hits like that. Yeah. Um Atomic Blonde is an incredible movie and that is what it does really well. Like Charlie's Theron gets her lunch handed to her like a whole bunch of times in that movie. And it like really and truly is like a, a John Wick daredevil mission impossible fight sequence where it's like, she's like bleeding and gasping for breath and like limping around while still like punching guys and stuff. And it's the only movie I've ever seen that has like had the courage to actually do that with a female fighter, you know, even John Wick three, is they have Halle Berry show up for a little while and do a sequence, and she totally doesn't, like, get hit ever. Yeah, yeah like, Keanu Reeves is getting the shit pounded out of him, <laughs> and then Halle Berry, like, shows up and kicks some guys, and you're like, those are some pretty cool kicks, I guess. But, yeah. like, and I she's mean, got, like, dogs and stuff, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this movie, there are, I, I agree, that's definitely a disproportionate amount, but, like, there are some good hits, and Harley does get knocked around a lot. But, yeah, I agree with you, not to the amount of a John Wick or a... She gets knocked around like twice. But it's it's more than usual. (laughs) It's more than other girl fighters. And And she's like third act of a superhero movie roughed up at the end. Yeah. She's got like soot on her face and a cut on her forehead. I love (laughs) She's wearing sunglasses and a baseball hat. Yeah, right. Um, I, I really liked the... Chekhov's roller skating. I thought that was fun. <laughs> like, I wish they used the roller skating I know. better. Well, because it's like, oh, Harley Quinn got in a breakup. She's now doing roller derby. I'm like, oh, hell yeah. That makes so much sense. And then at the end, she gets to like roller skate behind the motorcycle or whatever. I'm like, oh, that's really fun. Right. I like this. Okay, yeah, no, that's what I should say. The bit where they're like riding around the city and she's on roller skates chasing cars. Yeah. Rules. Love yeah, that. Yeah. But when they're in like the fun house and she's got roller skates... I weirdly feel like it slows her physical momentum it down. It does a little you know? bit, yeah. Like, what you want when you're thinking about it is like, oh, she's on roller skates, she's faster, she can zip around and hit guys. But yeah. really, you're not going that much faster than if you're just running, and it kind of takes you a lot more effort to, like, yeah. get your momentum going. <laughs> so weirdly, it sort of slows down the pace of anything you can do. Yeah. And it just doesn't work as well on pa- in practice as it seems to on paper, you yeah. know? I like when they're going through Gotham and there's just, like, an on fire garbage can in every single shot. (laughs) Right. One of the things that I like about this movie is, like, it takes such a really strong choice about Gotham Mm -hmm. in the sense that, like, Dark Knight famously was all, like, set in Chicago and, Mm -hmm. like, Gotham, like, just looked like Chicago. It was, like, a big city that was... Because Chicago is basically Gotham. (laughs) Well, but, and then Joker, they made, like, a really specific decision. They're like, this is New York. Gotham City is New York in the 70s. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously they're not, like, saying it's New York. They're calling it yeah. Gotham, but it's like, this is New York. Yeah. Um, but this, and this movie goes in a totally different direction. They're like, this time Gotham's L.A. Like, mm-hmm. it, everything is, like, big sprawling freeways and everything's super far apart and it's sunny and, like, you've got, like, tons of, 
like homeless people around and like mm-hmm. gang activity and stuff and you're like yeah this is los angeles like yeah. i just think it's cool especially because suicide squad made absolutely no decisions about anything we're just in city <laughs> yeah it's a city um, but I think it's cool. I like this whole thing that we're doing of like making every, every version of Gotham sort of like modeled after a different place. Yeah. I love, I mean, I'd say that LA is really a smart idea mm. because I absolutely love that scene where they have that chase through like the outdoor mall like area. Like, right. That's yeah. the coolest shit ever. Um, I almost wonder what Matt Reeves is Batman. If mm-hmm. they're going to do anything cool, they're like, it's London this time. Yeah. Or like... What I don't else? think London's known for crime. <laughs> it doesn't have to be somewhere known for crime. Just I like mean, I a think big that's city. definitely a part of it. But because Gotham's <laughs> supposed to be a shithole. Right, right. I mean, look, Chicago is not a city that's especially like. I mean, it is as much as any other big city. I mean, Chicago but, like, is like specifically known for crime, Jackson. I don't think that's true. It is. Okay, whatever. Um, but like. I don't know, but I but my point is like Los Angeles is a place that's known for crime, and yeah. New York in the seventies is, known for, is known for crime. That's one of those things that's like when you hear stories about what New York was like in the seventies, yeah. it's like, what the fuck? Yeah, every like, single cop was on cocaine, and, and like, if you murdered someone, you could just give them twenty dollars. Yeah, and like that's that's it. And it's like everything just seems so shitty and whack in yeah. New York, and everything. Apparently, there was like in nineteen seventy seven, there was like a heat wave and the entire city just like lost power yeah and it was like the purge and you're like what the this, this happened like this was real life why did we like let new york exist after that I know. Like, why didn't we burn new york to the ground <laughs> and it's so funny and that's always the joke people are always like oh new york sucks now yeah like, i missed when it was horrifying <laughs> like, i just think that's so funny um but it's like it is also like equally crazy that we like rehabilitated it somehow (laughs) like that you know not that new york is like perfect now but like that we like did something about it and now it's like kind of regular fixed it (laughs) yeah i don't know it's just so crazy (laughs) um i think in this movie the whole bit where so like cassandra kane's like this little girl and she's a pickpocket and she eats the diamond and the like big conflict of the third act is they're just trying to protect her Mm -hmm. so that Roman doesn't, like, kill her to get the diamond that's in her belly. Yeah. But, like, I feel like they do a lot of legwork trying to convince you that Harley cares about Cassandra. Uh Uh-huh. When, honestly, based on what I've seen already, just, like, she's a kid, she shouldn't get killed, is plenty. Yeah. I think all the stuff where they're doing their, like, bonding time yeah. is mostly super boring, and I but don't I, care I about it. But I love that, though. I love you that do? character You do? You thought the bit where they were, like, at her apartment, and they're, like, talking about the rules of how to live or whatever, and she's like, you should always, do, when you're talking to boys, and you're like... What? I like that. You like that? <laughs> I, like I hate that. that. I hate that. I thought that was such... Okay, let me let the dog in. Just keep the door open. Yeah, I love that character interaction of Harley Quinn and the little girl. Because, like, it it's it's more of keeping all kinds of Harley in your head at the same time. Where it's, we, we need, we need more reasons to like Harley. Because, like, we like her because of her personality and because she's Harley Quinn. Right. But we don't have a lot of reasons to really sympathize with her other than the fact that she's in a tough spot. But it's like, right. evil people can be in tough spots too. <laughs> right. So, like, we need, we need more sympathy for her. And I think that really builds that relationship and builds that sympathy. 
And but then when she kind of betrays Cassandra, I think it also speaks to Harley Quinn's like mindset. Like she's like, I want to be a good person, but I literally can't. So whatever. <laughs> right. I think I don't know. I just think that whole bit is like boringly written, and like I just I don't. It just doesn't hold my attention. I don't know. Like, especially in a movie like this, where, like, so much of it is, like, pitched at a ten so often. Yeah. When you go here and it's, like, a five and a half for, like, 20 minutes and you're, like, they're just, like, talking to each other about, like, I don't know, like, how to, I don't even remember what they talk about. What do they talk about? She's talking about, like, how to do crime and stuff. Yeah, stupid. I like that character interaction. I don't. I mean, I really, that's, I like character interaction stuff, so I really like when they're just, like, hanging out and talking, because you've built so many strong characters, like, having them interact is really important, like, with the guy that owns the restaurant below our house, and he's like, this is my favorite person, he's the only (laughs) person who cares about me, like, I love that. Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, I don't know, I like that old guy, too, like, he's fun. I, I'm just trying to I'm trying to put my finger on exactly what it is I don't like about it. I mean, I guess I guess that's all I can really say is that it's just weirdly low energy, and I w- was not engaged by the writing. I guess I don't know. I shouldn't try to defend myself more. That's just that's exactly yeah. how I feel. I mean, I just I love <clears throat> that set so much, and I love like the hyena so much. The like, hyena's good. <laughs> I wish they got more mileage out of I the know, hyena. I wish they did more things with the hyena. Um, what's the deal with that beaver? I don't know. Why <laughs> does she? And it's it's not even like a gag. Yeah. She just has a like taxidermy beaver. Yeah. Which maybe the joke is that that could be a word for vagina and feminism. No. Um. But it's like, just a thing that Cass likes, and so it kind of represents Cass. Maybe no, she doesn't like it. She's like, "What's up with this weird beaver?" And but Harley then she Quinn's picks like, it up and takes it. Like Harley she... Quinn picks it up and takes it. No, then Cass does. No, she She's doesn't. holding it in the car. That doesn't mean that she picked it up. I'm almost 90% positive Harley Quinn was the one who picked it up and took it. Either, either There's way. absolutely no business about it whatsoever no, besides that someone's like, what's with the weird beaver? They're like, I don't know, it's weird. We're st- it, we have it now. Well, when she calls Ian McGregor and she's like, yo, I got the kid. She like, look at the beaver. And she's like, don't judge me, beaver. Like, it's just, it's just a That's thing. That's not funny either. <laughs> but listen. It just, I don't know, there's something about the beaver that feels almost spiteful. Okay. Like, someone was like, what's with the beaver? Why is there a beaver? It's like, I don't know, I like the beaver. The beaver's a whole thing now. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna have the beaver for the next 40 minutes. It's yeah. like, but you know, I, no, I want the beaver. I think this movie with its, this is totally unrelated, I think this movie with its needle drops is so funny. Because, like, Doja Cat is so in right now, and, like, that <laughs> right. song, like, it's so relevant, which is weird. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. How, like, it, Needle Drops are one of those things where, like, you kind of have to use, like, older music, because then you're, like, you're sure that people like that music. But for them to have some music in it that's, like, actually, like, really relevant is, right. like, impressive. Like, well, that's the that's the weird Catch-22 about that, though. Yeah. Is that this movie... gonna date this movie Well, so no, that... but that song was written for this movie. Oh. It's part of the, like, Birds of Prey soundtrack. They put together an album with a whole bunch of artists. Mm-hmm. Which is weird because, like, the soundtrack that Daniel Pemberton wrote and a lot of the other needle drops they do yeah. are, like, influenced very much by, like, 80s metal. Yeah. And, like, old school, like, white person taste you know that feels a little bit more accurate to like what harley quinn would be like into yeah but like then the soundtrack is like oh also like doja cat and lizzo and like 
all well, these I mean, I'm a bad bitch <laughs> hip hop artists. I mean, Harley Quinn is also a modern woman going to clubs. So right. I think she would also like that music. Yeah. If we went through your playlist right now, <laughs> how many different kinds of weird ass music would right. be in there? No, I'm not saying, I'm just saying it's incongruous with the rest of the music decisions. Yeah. You know? Um, I don't know. I. It's just that, like, there's a certain amount of eclecticness where it stops being novelty and it starts just being messy i feel like that's fair um but maybe you disagree um i i think with music i disagree a little bit because there's so much music in the world and every individual's music taste consists of so many different types of music that i don't i don't right it doesn't bother me as much um (laughs) I love the slow cover of Hit Me With Your Best Shot. Yeah, I know. You wouldn't shut up the whole movie. It's so funny. Like, it's one of those things that's just, like, so, like, comically modern Hollywood, you know? And people always joke about it being in trailers, but in this movie, I don't even remember when they do it. They do it when they're, like, all going to the place. Right, so it's not even, like, particularly relevant. They're just like, with your best shot. Yeah, I know. It's just so funny. I to just me. think when you do that, like that can be a really cool thing. And the reason why modern Hollywood does it so much is that it can be really cool. But you have to be really specific with the song you use. Like in Age of Ultron, when they do that with no strings on me, it's like the dopest right. shit ever. Well, but here's the thing: is that that is very much a trailer technique, right? Yeah, no, yeah, totally. And it works really well in a lot of trailers, but like. <laughs> the only other people I can think of who do it in the, in the movie, movie yeah. is in Power Rangers when there's yeah. that slow cover of Stand By Me. Yeah. Which <laughs> <laughs> is also hilarious. <laughs> like, that is just not something you should do. I feel if like. they did it in Power Rangers, you probably <laughs> shouldn't do it. <laughs> That's a good rule of thumb. But, like, I don't know. And it's just. Oh, Franklin. Oh, Franklin. Where's You're your toy? I shouldn't, like, throw it, because he's just going to take it back. Yeah, but if you hold it, he's going to bark also. Um, the, uh, what was I talking about? Slow covers. This yeah. is hilarious. It's so funny to me. <laughs> and it's, like, especially the fact that it's Hit Me With Your Best Shot by Pat Benatar. Yeah. It's just, like, pick a Pat Benatar song out of the hat, because she's a tough girl, I yeah. guess. I just think it's so good. It's good. Um, <laughs> Why wasn't there any paramour in this movie? Because, um... Paramore's not as popular as you think it is. I like people really like the Paramore's new album. Um, but like, oh, what was I just about to say? Um, <laughs> but I really hope the mic doesn't figure that. What the fuck are you doing, Franklin? I had a goddamn it! I had a follow up to the slow cover discussion, but I forgot what it was. Um, if they do it in Power Rangers. You probably shouldn't do it. <laughs> It'll come back to me later. Do you have something else you want to... Let me look at mitts. Uh, I really like that Obi-Wan Kenobi explodes. I think that's fun. <laughs> that is funny. <laughs> um, because there's something so perfectly... It, like, is a total, like, de-escalation of the stakes in a way that doesn't feel like it's ripping you off, you know? No, it, feel, it feels really cathartic. And the fact that he explodes... <laughs> yeah. And it's it, just like, another layer onto that. Right. Because I feel like the versions of that are, like, either you he like explodes and you're like oh that was it like they just blew him up like that was dumb yeah but it doesn't feel like that there's something about it like the timing of it is just such that 
it happens at exactly the right moment that you're like, that's hilarious. Yeah. Like, I totally, like, I was expecting something bigger, but then it cut me off and it just yeah. did that. Well, and I'm not mad about it. I just think it's funny. Well, because you know? it's the fact that they established that she's just pulled a grenade and you're like, oh, shit. And then you see a Harley Quinn, like, grab her and, like, push him off the dock. And it's the fact that he explodes, like, halfway off of falling off the dock. <laughs> right. It's just so funny. You see just, like, his chunks, like, fall into the because water. Because you kind of expect him to just, like, fall into the water and then have you, like, boosh. But no, the fact that he just explodes <laughs> right before he hits the water is right. so funny. Um, the uh, Another thing that I think is cool about this movie is that a lot of the set pieces are, like... You know, they're very, like, set-based. There's, like, these yeah. big, quirky ideas that they're playing with, and they're staging choreography within the space, you know? Yeah. But it's also not super, like, gag-heavy, you know? Yeah. It, like, especially in the funhouse, it would be so easy to, like, spend, like, three minutes on some House of Mirrors bullshit. Yeah, and we sp- only spend, like, a second <laughs> yeah. on some bullshit. But it's not even, like, it's not, like, in service of a whole big gag, right? Yeah. It's, like, the choreography, there's a moment where she can't figure out where the guy is, but then the guy comes up and they keep fighting, you know? Yeah. It's, like, a moment in a broader like, piece of choreography, yeah. as opposed to being, like, oh, and now she's gonna run around and slap guys with the tongue for 20 minutes, yeah. you know? Like, okay. it's not totally based on... This isn't Ken the Head. Right, yeah. <clears throat> um, what are we, what are we at on time? Let me just check super quick, because... So we gotta kind of fill some time a little bit, but... I, I've talked about it. We can have a shorter episode. We've had some, like, long episodes. Right, that's true. And I we'll have three guest episodes coming up, and I'm sure those will all be always gonna long. be long, yeah. Um, I already talked about how I want women to get beat up in action movies. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, you talk about how you hate women. Right. That you're an alpha male. Yeah, and yeah, I'm an alpha um, male, and... I'm glad that we didn't spend really any time on this movie. I wanted to bring this up at the beginning, but I forgot. But, like, whenever we're covering a movie like this... That has sort of become a shitstorm in its own sense. I don't want to spend too much time talking about lame, bad faith criticisms, you know? Yeah. I just don't want that to fill the airtime. We're going to do Last Jedi eventually. I don't want to do that then either. Yeah. Um, and, like, there's, you know, and that'll always be a thing. Yeah. Um, I'll only talk about the bad faith of The Last Jedi in response to The Rise of Skywalker because I feel like it's very relevant. But well, like, yeah, yeah, but that's different. <laughs> I don't want to be like, oh, people said that. They Some were... people think this. Yeah, but, I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to spend so because much time you already on that. know what people think. Yeah, you're a person in the world, right? You're just we're just saying what we think. Yeah, I mean, like, I was gonna say something. I forgot what it was. I've always been. I was just thinking about this a lot the other day. That like last time we went into a hot topic months ago now. <laughs> um, oh, are you talking about like a, an actual hot topic or like yeah. a store hot topic? Like, no, the store hot topic. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> But, like, how they had, like, a handful of the, like, Harley Quinn outfits from Birds of Prey, like, just for sale that you could buy. Yeah, like, the jacket. I and might buy the jacket. Yeah, and it's one of those things, it's like, how has nobody thought to do that before? <laughs> to just, like, sell, co- I mean, Hot Topic really is the only one who, like, sells, like, cosplay items, but, like, as actual fashion. As products. Yeah, and so, it's, they're not selling it as cosplay, they're selling it, this is a jacket that you wore, do you want to wear the jacket? Right. Just, like, in your fashion. And it's and- really, it's really smart. Yeah, it's, it's actually. like, and especially because, like, not only has, like, cosplay culture been huge for a long time, yeah. but also I feel like the culture of, like, fandom is, like, totally different than it was, like, 20 years ago, oh, yeah. you know? Like, I don't think that would be necessarily that cool of a thing to do in 1998. Yeah. People would be like, no, I don't want to wear a jacket from a, a superhero movie. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's yeah. like, I'm an adult, no. 
Um, but I feel like it's changed so much in the last few years that it seems like that's the kind of thing that we should have started doing like 10 years ago. Oh, I don't yeah. know. It's just, it's wild to me that people haven't been doing that this whole time. Yeah. And I mean, it's also just with this movie that like the costume pieces that they have Harley wear are just like so cool. Like that, like everyone's already talked about it. Like I, I've heard a lot of conversations about her costume design in like regards of like male gaze versus female gaze where like she's still dressed sexy in both of them, right. but she's not wearing booty shorts and a crop top that says daddy's little monster on it <laughs> right and she's wearing this dope ass jacket with like her pigtails like god that costume is just so cool right and yeah i don't know i've been thinking a lot about sexuality in in movies lately okay. because like don't i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i'm making a joke about it. um <laughs> i read this piece that was really interesting um i don't remember the name of the critic but uh he was a gay man and he was reviewing um kingsman kingsman mm-hmm. 2 and a lot of the review, he spent a lot of time, like, not in a gross way, but he spent yeah. a lot of time being like, I want to fuck everybody in this movie. Like, yeah. all these dudes in this movie are so hot. And that's, yeah. like, a big part of me enjoying this movie, you know? Yeah. And, like, there's a part of me that, like, wonders, like, when... Because a lot of the discussion around, like, how we handle women in movies is, like, make them not sexy. Yeah. But I don't know if that's fully the way it should go, because, like, I think in a certain level, in a certain kind of movie, obviously, like, yeah. people being sexy in movies is, like, part of the appeal for a lot of people, yeah. you know? And, I mean, there's several layers to that with women, of course. Because right. when, when women characters are sexy, that's all they get to be. Right. And that's the flaw. It's like, oh, we're totally, I'm totally down for women being sexy, but that's all she's ever going to be able to be. She can't be funny or smart or <laughs> right, yeah. relevant to the plot. She just has to be sexy. Yeah. And then there's also the, like, the forms that sexiness takes in media is usually only one form, and it's the male gaze gross version, where it's not flattering to the woman, and it's just about her boobs and her ass, you know? Right. But but the thing that, what I'm thinking about mm -hmm. is more along the lines of, like, different things are sexy to different people in different demographics and different sexualities, right? And, you know, if we're, if we're targeting different people for different movies, mm-hmm. like, I think it should be a little bit more normalized to just, I mean, not that it isn't already, but like, yeah. I don't know, it's one of those weird double think things where it's yeah. like, people are trying to change it to make it this, but I'm saying, oh, it should, you should be normalized in that culture, whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about Thor Ragnarok. Cause like, right. Thor is hot, and Thor has always been hot, but, like, uh, oh god, what's her name? The, the lady in Thor Ragnarok. You're talking about Valkyrie? Yes, Valkyrie. I couldn't think of the word. And, like, Valkyrie is also, like, hot. Like, right. it's, like, but she's also fully clothed and a woman of color and doing right. stuff, like. But that's the weird thing to me, not to, like, just, this is a weirdly sensitive subject to talk about on oh, a public podcast, but I don't know, if I, if I feel weird about it, I'll cut it out. Cool. I don't think, I, don't think I will. But, um, like, to me, what I'm thinking is, like, things like Valkyrie and Thor Ragnarok, or, like, basically anybody in Birds of Prey, yeah. is that the kind of sexiness that it is, is one that appeals much more to, like, a queer demographic, right? Yeah. And the, I'm just thinking that, like, obviously not every movie should be tailored to everybody, or especially, like, not every movie should be tailored to the straight male perspective, but mm-hmm. I think that saying something is cool or not cool depending on 
how modest the clothing is feels weird to me. Yeah. Because if, you know, being sexualized is being sexualized. And I think there's a version where you can have something be sexy to a a straight male audience without being degrading, you know? And that there's just a balance between a lot of different things, you know? Yeah. And, like, I mean, basically what it comes down to is I feel like sex appeal is important in movies in a lot of different ways. And I feel like that I don't think women should never be sexually appealing to straight men in movies. It should just be more balanced and more conscientious, I guess. Yeah. Is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. It's like, it's like yeah, there's not a, there's nothing wrong with men being attracted to women when women are sexy. But like, it's just, it's like I said, like that can't be the only thing or it can't be that only that one type of sexy. Because right. even the straight, straight men, like that lady wearing no clothes isn't always sexy. And we just right. have assumed yeah. that it is. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I don't know. I always think it's interesting talking about, like, male gaze sort of things, because, mm-hmm. like, as a, as a straight man. An alpha male. As an alpha male. Yeah. As a, as a red pillar? Which one's the one that sucks? I mean, they both, I mean, people who They're talk about bad. it suck, but, like, <laughs> um, if you take the red pill, do you understand that men are repressed? Or if you take the blue pill, do you understand that men are repressed? I think if repressed? you take the red pill, because you, like, wake up. And right. Like, oh, as a, God. as a red pill alpha male. Um... I really, I feel, like, uniquely qualified to, like, recognize male gaze if it, like, works on me. (laughs) You know? Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah. If I fall in the pit. (laughs) Right. If I'm like, oh, yeah, no, totally. If I look up and I'm in a hole. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But it's, like, you know, like, a great example is, like, Atomic Blonde, where it's, like, 90% of the movie, like, I'm not aroused by it at all. Like. And there is a certain amount of, like, sexiness to her character, because she's, like, a secret agent or whatever, whatever. whatever. Yeah. Um, but, like, I... And not that Charlize Theron isn't a beautiful woman. Yeah. But, like, as as it's going on, as it's being filmed, I personally, a straight man, don't feel anything sexual about yeah. it. But if something like Wonder Woman and Justice League, I'm, like, you know, it's the same costume, more or less, all that kind of stuff, but just yeah. the way the camera moves, the way it frames her, like, me personally, I feel different about watching it as opposed to, like, Patty Jenkins as Wonder Woman, you know? Yeah. I always... It's just something that's interesting for me to think about, because... I mean, it, I mean, I think Wonder Woman is, like... Sorry, I'm interrupting you. No, it's but okay. But, like, I think Wonder Woman is, like, the perfect example of, like, the male gaze being exemplified, where they had costumes that were used in Wonder Woman, and then when they went to Justice League, they had the same characters with costumes that they already had. Right. But suddenly they were in skimpy, like, female warrior outfits. Right. Instead of the cool costumes that they already had. Right. Like, I think that's just, like... Hitting the, the nail on the head of just like that's yep that's where that's that's <laughs> right. it I found it. Um, okay, yeah, I don't know if I have anything else to say on that yeah. subject. And but... I mean, this is kind of we can cut this out too. But it's just a generalized statement. Like I, I, there's definitely like men are sexualized also, and there's also problems with like males' body image and like right. all these things too. But like. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like, I hate when I'm talking about a topic that's specific to women and people want to bring up the men's side of that issue. Right. Because I acknowledge that's there and it is also a problem, but that's not what I'm talking about right now. So why right. would you interrupt me to talk about men's right. problems? And yeah, but I feel like it is also sort of part and parcel in that, like, thing I was talking about, about, like, Kingsman, you know? Yeah. And it's like, you know, I think that, I don't know, when it... 
there's just a lot to unpack when it comes to like sex appeal <laughs> yeah. in movies. <laughs> and like, there's, there's like history here. <laughs> but yeah, but there's like so many different yeah. angles and perspectives to think about. Because I think about like Channing Tatum in Kingsman 2, yeah. who basically serves no purpose except to just like hang around and yeah. like be pretty, you know? Yeah. And you know, he is like a character kind of, but he's not like important in any meaningful way. Yeah. He's just like another hot man in this movie about hot men, yeah. you know? <laughs> And it's just, I don't know, it's so interesting that it's like, when when do things come back around? Is that a problem still, or is it different? And yeah. how does the way we apply it to men in this instance apply also to how we might apply it to women, you yeah. know? Yeah, and like, because like, with the sexualization of just people in general, like, the way that men are sexualized is way different than the way that women have been sexualized. Right. And that's, people talk about that all the time, where it's like, even when men are sexualized, it's still the male gaze of, like, this, right. like, perfect embodiment of being muscular and, like, yeah. powerful. And then, like, how that's, like, not attractive to women. And right. yet that's what we're forced to see, what men are forced to look at, and when right. they don't look like that. And it's just, it's, 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 it's interesting. Like, it's all tied up in things, and you get to things of, like, history and, like, what is there more of and, like, how is it perpetrated and right. stuff like that. But, like, if if I'm talking about a specific issue, like, don't, don't bring up men things because I know about those things right. and I'm also kind of talking about that things, but don't be like, right. men also. <laughs> I'm like, yes, I know also. It's <clears throat> not what I'm talking about. Well, it wasn't what I was talking about. I know, either, I know. So. I just, this was just a tangent. I was <laughs> <laughs> this is what I interrupted you to say. <laughs> um, how should I handle the review? I should probably do a five star. I don't feel like I want oh, to do God. a one star of this movie. Why do women... Why? <laughs> And that's another thing that I think is hilarious, because I read a lot of comic books. Yeah. Um, and in the last, like, ten years, like, obviously there's been such a huge movement around, like, like desexualizing, like, female superheroes yeah. and, like, drawing them more, like, like people. Like, yeah, like, not just, like, weird fetish sex objects, you know? Yep. But the thing about that is that now in the 21st century, all the comic books that are written and drawn by women have, like, the sexiest women imaginable in them. Well, yeah, I mean, It's, like, constantly. And, like, all yeah. the men are, like, very much more, like, not across the board, obviously, yeah. but, like, much more toned down, respectful, and, like, conscientious of how they're drawing their women. Yeah. And then all the female creators are, like, titties! Like, <laughs> yeah. just, like, I mean, everywhere. I mean, and then I, it's a double standard, but, like, I do think it's, like, I don't know, like, as a woman, if I want to draw a woman sexy, I feel like that's different than a man drawing a woman sexy in either way, because it's, like, my body versus, like, somebody else fetishizing my body, you right. know? Like, I, I don't know. But it's just so funny, because There's that's just the movement. Bit, it's, there, like, in that yeah. in that medium, it's empowerment, you know? Yeah, exactly. It's, like, how they're doing it. It's, like, and obviously, like, the context is different, and yeah, yeah, yeah. the nuances of how they're actually drawn are different, but it just makes yeah. me laugh that, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. men basically don't really do that anymore in, like, mainstream comics, yeah. and women are just, like, going crazy. <laughs> uh, this review comes from letterbox.com. Don't eat it. I'm not. There's uh, a microphone in the way. So, uh, wait, sorry. Uh, Adeline, do you want to hear a five-star review of of Prey and the... What if playing? I don't? And then we can just end the podcast and it'll be weird. Fine, I do. Okay. You're going to hold me hostage like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. This review comes from letterbox.com. They say, on the third watch, I caught the little bit that Ali Wong's character was the ex-girlfriend of Renee. Hell yeah. <laughs> the third one. <laughs> the third one. They they say it. They say it. They like, tell you out loud. <laughs> <laughs> it's not subtext. It's text. It's written on the screen. Yeah, it says XGF, <laughs> literally on the screen. No, I think there's like hearts and stuff too. <laughs> that's just that's just you being like heteronormative. <laughs> that just paints 
you poorly? <laughs> <laughs> My name's Dexter. My name's Alan. And this is Jerry.